United Church of Christ presents Apocalyptic Time, a reflection by the Reverend Jean Randall Bodman, presented on Sunday, November 8th, 2020. Well, my friends, what a long, long time this week has been since we've all been together. A week steeped in the full range of human emotions. We as a congregation have several beloved members facing health challenges in different stages of recovery and treatment and waiting for test results. We as a state, among many others, are seeing a scary uptick in COVID cases and COVID deaths. And of course, we as a country have just endured the long wait for mail-in ballots to be counted and the election to be decided. The longest Tuesday in the history of Tuesdays on tenterhooks the whole time. All of this has got me considering how it is that we experience time, how we think about it, and what language we use to describe the passage of time and the quality of time we are in. And what additional language we might need, what language might be useful for us as we continue to navigate in what still feels like unprecedented times. Our secular calendar, of course, has its four seasons punctuated by holidays and familiar rituals, back to school and Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year, spring break, summer vacation. And our church calendar has its seasons that cycle through, Advent, Christmas and Epiphany, Lent and Easter, Pentecost, and the long months of ordinary time. This year, both of those calendars have felt pushed out of sync by the restrictions of COVID-19. The days and weeks flattened out and undifferentiated by our usual activities. It's been difficult to feel the rhythm of our usual cycles. The church has a few more words for talking about the quality of time as we experience it. As the very name of our congregation points out, there is kairos time and its opposite, chronos. Chronos is the orderly passing of time in its seasons, the way we experience it sequentially. Kairos time is the opportune time, a moment that is ripe with possibilities. We may experience kairos time as intense or slowed down or even illuminated with meaning as it occurs or if we are completely engaged in that Kairos moment, we may only recognize it in retrospect. And then there is what many of us have been experiencing lately, a sensation not of horizons that roll from season to season, not of an inbreaking moment of possibility, but of a horizon that comes to a cliff. This is what the church calls apocalyptic time. The time when we ask, what has life meant? When we are made aware that the things that hold up our lives are fragile. We are, that we in fact are held on a thread as thin and gossamer as spider's silk. It's a beautiful image from Jonathan Edwards' otherwise terrifying sermon 
that acknowledges the terrible, beautiful precarity of human life. Many of us have felt this in our bodies over the last days and weeks and months, and it has left us hyper alert and also tired. But when we are in apocalyptic time, we know things we don't always allow into our consciousness. There are gifts in apocalyptic time. We know that our lives as we have constructed them are not permanent, but saturated with meaning. We know that our human structures are fragile. We recognize that the people who lead us don't always want what's best for us. We know that routine life is also saturated with beauty and possibilities of love, curiosity, and connection that routine life can keep us from seeing. This awareness in apocalyptic time can push us into an important place of agency. Dr. Kate Bowler recently offered two suggestions for living in this apocalyptic time. The first is to take a minute to ask yourself, based on where you are right now and what resources you have, is there anything that is calling you to action? Is there anything that apocalyptic time has given you the ability to see that you might otherwise forget? If you can do the thing that you are being called to, commit yourself to doing it. If you look around and think, this is a situation that is beyond me. I am not in a position right now with resources or place or power that there is anything I can do. Then you need to tell yourself that. Tell your whole body and mind that it is time to rest. Allow yourself the deep rest that comes from knowing. You can move yourself back from that clenched fist feeling that you're always supposed to be acting. You can rest. Which brings me to today's apocalyptic end times parable about the 10 bridesmaids. Now I hope you have noticed as Kathy read it for us so beautifully that all 10 of those bridesmaids rested. They did not in fact keep awake the whole time. The wise and the foolish all of them rested. The resting was never the problem. A little scene setting. The Gospel of Matthew, where we find this parable, was written 50 or 60 years after the life of Jesus, after the fall of Jerusalem. It was written in and to a community of Jesus people whose origins were Jewish, but who were living in a Gentile territory. It was a community that seems to have suffered oppression from outside and division from within. Today's parable is part of a long speech at the end of all of Jesus's life and teaching just before the events of Holy Week. And it reflects a concern that runs throughout this gospel about who can be trusted, who is authentic and who is false, who really belongs to the community and who's pretending. This is reflected in the dualism in all of the stories in this long speech. Each one has a winner and a loser. 
One person is taken and one is left. One is a sheep of God's fold and the other a goat to be separated out and cast away. One is a wise bridesmaid, the other a foolish one. It's a disturbing and apocalyptic speech. And it's a disturb, especially disturbing parable if we read it as a prophecy or a threat, rather than what I think it is, a call to urgency and agency. It's not a hero versus villain parable. The two sets of bridesmaids appear to be exactly the same in every respect. They've all been invited to a wedding, the kind of wedding that would have been an extended event, days long. The young women we call bridesmaids appear not to be just friends of the bride as they would be in a modern wedding, but to have some kind of service role in this long event. Here in the story, they're all hanging out together. They all fall asleep. The only difference is when it becomes exposed that one group has not adequately prepared. And there is apparently no going back from that lack of preparation. There's no way of sharing the oil and no way of getting in late after the moment when the groom arrives. We all want, I think, I hope you want with me, for the bridesmaids with extra oil to share. We want the groom to be compassionate and say, here, have some of mine. I have extra oil. I'll do without. But it's not a story about sharing. It's not even a story about the groom or as a Christ figure offering himself up for the thoughtless bridesmaids. Instead, it's a story of urgency and caution. In a gospel full of both beauty and trouble, this passage reflects the trouble of being human. Matthew's community was living with the idea that Jesus had promised to return. They're wondering why it has taken so long, long enough for the first generation of followers to have died. This new generation is trying to be faithful. They're worried about the danger of false teachers and false forms of religion. They're worried. And they share this story to remind themselves not to get complacent and not to give up hope. This feels like a message for our day too. Living as we are in times when fires and storms and political storms often leave us with apocalyptic feelings and questions and with a heightened awareness of our own precarity and the precarity of all our systems and arrangements. We too look around and wonder, what are we meant to be doing? What does ready look like for people of faith when will things change? What is God going to do about the mess we're in? We even dare to ask, when will our enemies get what they deserve? And unlike earlier generations, we even have to wonder if we ourselves will bring an end to human life on this earth. How shall we live in apocalyptic time? Here, I think the gospel throws us back to the earlier ideals of the Sermon on the Mount. Here we are called to live the kind of life that blesses the peacemakers, feeds the hungry, advocates for the meek and those who mourn, and rejoices 
in God's presence. Here we are called to be light and salt in the world. Jesus has spent the whole of the gospel pointing the way to the kind of life that can come up to the apocalyptic edges and lie down serenely to rest, knowing that when called upon, they have a whole life of practicing to fuel them. So let the awareness of this apocalyptic time show you if you have work to do. And if you don't, even in this apocalyptic time, allow yourself to rest. You are well fueled in your soul. Let us pray. God of the present moment, God who in Jesus stills the storm and soothes the frantic heart, bring hope and courage to all who wait in uncertainty. Bring hope that you will make them and us the equal of whatever lies ahead. Bring us all the courage to endure what cannot be avoided, for your will is health and wholeness. You are God, and we who are living in apocalyptic time need to be reminded of your presence, to be grounded in your grace, fueled with your love, to live in your way. Amen. Listen, listen, God is speaking to you.